Okay, uh, good Sunday morning. At least it is Sunday morning uh, right now as I record this. Uh, chapter 14, we're going to deal with religion and magic, and some might wonder why magic is just opposed with religion, because in anthropology the answer is that magic just has to do with the methods we use to deal with the supernatural, and religion is all about the supernatural. So we'll talk about the universality of religion, why we think it appears, um, or some of the ideas that we have about why it appears uh, everywhere we look in all cultures, variation in religious beliefs, uh, variation in religious practices, that is uh, a special focus on uh, religious uh, leadership and the assortment of uh, individuals from uh, shamans to cardinals to diviners, who uh, engage uh, in religious practices, religion and adaptation, that is, uh, is religion adaptive? And here we'll talk about um, some recent research about how uh, religion may lead to uh, greater social solidarity, and then finally on religious change. Uh, so religion is defined as any set of attitudes, beliefs, and practices pertaining to, this, to supernatural power whether that power be forces, gods, spirits, ghosts, or uh, demons. And so the supernatural is, you know, out there, uh, and uh, there are agents, uh, and people believe uh, in these uh, agents, and um, especially what they've done in the past and what, they're, um, what they may do in the future. Um, some ideas about the universality of religion. I would um, kind of uh, focus on the need to understand uh, one way to look at religion as it is kind of like science uh, to uh, tell us um, how the world was created, uh, why things are the way they are. Um, the, the psychological approach reversion to childhood feelings I think is probably uh, not really uh, a good kind of theory, a theory and uh, also a, as a means to reduce anxiety and, and uncertainty. Uh, that does occur. Our religion can uh, give people a sense of, um, of, of well-being, but also it can cause plenty of anxiety. For example, uh, in, in Christian religions, am I going to heaven or hell? That's going to create some anxiety, so it uh, doesn't reduce anxiety in many cases. The need for community and the need for cooperation, I think, are also important elements of why religion is found everywhere. Uh, a group of believers is more cohesive uh, than a group of uh, people who have separate different beliefs and this leads to a greater cooperation and activities that require uh, the cooperation of the group. So I would say you know that the, the last two are really important and also the first one to some extent too uh, probably explains why uh, religion is found uh, everywhere even though it's in uh, radically different forms sometimes. Um, so we're going to look at variation of religious beliefs, uh, types of supernatural forces and beings, the character of supernatural beings. One thing that's really interesting uh, in more complex societies, uh, the uh, supernatural beings, as we're beginning to find out, are really concerned about the moral behavior of individuals. And then we'll look at the structure or hierarchy of supernatural beings. Uh, here we're looking at uh, the ideas of polytheism and monotheism. Uh, the intervention of gods in human affairs, and also life after death. Um, so we're looking at variation of religious beliefs. Um, we look at different kinds of forces. There are some supernatural forces. Uh, for example, uh, mana described in the textbook, and actually not really clearly mentioned in the textbook. This, this is what we refer to as animatism, 
which means that uh, the forces really don't have a bodily form. Uh, they can do things. And, uh, you know, think about um, something like, oh, in, in Christianity, the Holy Ghost. They really don't have a, an idea of what um, the Holy Ghost looks like. Or uh, think about um, another kind of animistic belief in Star Wars, you know, the force. You know, what is it? Well, it, it, it's, it, it exists, but it doesn't have any kind of bodily form. More commonly, uh, supernatural beings have human or animalistic forms. And this is called an animistic belief uh, in that we can kind of picture what they look like. And then we have a whole host of different kinds of um, uh, supernatural beings, gods, spirits, ghosts, ancestor spirits. These are all supernatural uh, in nature, uh, but their form varies from culture to culture. One thing that's really interesting about ghosts uh, is that, um, you know, it's, it's, they just about occur in every society, and they essentially uh, are the uh, deceased who formerly lived with us and now who are uh, wandering around. Uh, in many cases, they have to be uh, propitiated uh, by doing a variety of different uh, ceremonies. Um, if we look at the structure of supernatural beings or the structure or hierarchy of supernatural beings, we have monotheistic religions and polytheistic religions. Now, uh, monotheistic doesn't mean one god. It really means one chief uh, or superior god, and there may be a whole series of, of, of other beings uh, that are in the supernatural pantheon. So we have the, you know, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and we've got angels. Uh, and uh, so we have this kind of hierarchy. And, and so a hierarchical system is characteristic of monotheistic religions. Polytheistic religions are a bit different. Uh, the hierarchy is very weak or non-existence. Uh, each god or spirit has its own kind of sphere of power and, and control. And people may uh, pray to a variety of these, these different um, gods in a polytheistic religion. Uh, and so this is the kind of distinction we make in anthropology. Monotheistic hierarchical system with an all-powerful god with the polytheistic system where there's multiple gods with kind of overlapping powers and no one really is in uh, charge. Even the creator god in polytheistic, uh, polytheistic religions can have, you know, existed a long time ago and now takes a kind of back seat. And other gods um, uh, work on day-to-day -day life interactions with humans. Um, ways to interact with the supernatural. Uh, and various methods have been used to attempt to communicate with the supernatural, such as prayer, drug taking, simulation, uh, feasts, sacrifices. And many of these things um, lead to altered states of consciousness. That is, you have to put your head in a uh, special place in order to um, um, uh, interact with the gods. And technically, as we'll learn in, in the next couple slides, um, magic is any attempt to influence the supernatural. So, uh, you know, take away that kind of like uh, evil demonic sense of what we talk about magic, something that, that's illegal, improper. But from an anthropological perspective, magic is the variety of means that there's ceremonies, rituals, prayer, etc., that people use to communicate and interact with the supernatural. That's what magic is about. Uh, so magic, again, is, you know, interacting with uh, supernaturals. Uh, sorcery may include the use of materials, objects, and medicines to invoke supernatural malevolence. So sorcery typically uh, is what we call, uh, or loosely termed, black magic. Uh, and where people try to harm other people through 
uh, manipulation of uh, the supernatural through um, a variety of different means. Witchcraft um, is said to accomplish the same ills by means or thoughts uh, and emotion alone. That is, the witch oftentimes uh, doesn't know that he or she has something that is harmful within himself or herself that causes harm to other uh, others. They're typically not conscious uh, of it. And so, you know, sorcery is kind of like um, a conscious uh, uh, harm, whereas witchcraft is unconscious uh, harm. Uh, type of practitioners, uh, you know, again, we have, um, and, and this varies with uh, the level of social, cultural complexity uh, in band and tribal level uh, societies that we learned about um, uh, in the previous chapter, the shaman, you know, is an all-purpose uh, religious practitioner. His uh, goal, and sometimes her goal, uh, but more often than not, shamans are males and, and not females, is to diagnose the causes of illnesses. Uh, those causes typically are believed to be supernatural, and so the shaman is an individual who engages in a kind of pro-social curing uh, or diagnosis and, and, and curing uh, activities. And there's sorcerers or witches, uh, people who, you know, um, interact with the supernatural to cause harm, either consciously or unconsciously, as mentioned before. Mediums are, are individuals uh, that others can use to communicate with the, um, the, uh, the, the spiritual world. And then, of course, priests and organized religions. And, of course, we have all kinds of complexity when we get into um, organized religion, again, using uh, the Roman Catholic hierarchy. You know, we've got cardinals, archbishops, popes, priests, brothers, sisters, etc., etc., and they all have their kind of special duties. And <clears throat> what we find in these uh, larger kind of uh, religions is a bureaucracy uh, and a division of labor among individuals in that uh, bureaucracy. Um, <clears throat> again, noting something from your text, shamans are usually uh, male, but here we have some uh, female uh, shamans. Uh, that uh, again uh, engaged in healing ritual and this is the kind of like time-honored activity that shamans do. Uh, they diagnose the cause of an illness and then figure out what the proper supernatural uh, cure is because the cause typically is believed to be uh, supernatural. Um, <clears throat> as I mentioned, uh, the number uh, of types of practitioners seems to vary with degree of social complexity. The more complex the society, and the more types of practitioners, uh, you know, so we have this kind of growing division of labor uh, that matches what goes on economically in complex societies. And so the development of these religious bureaucracies, we also have a um, uh, more and more uh, complex form of um, or offices and, 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 and particular uh, practitioners. Um, religion adaptation, um, there's some re recognition of the work of Malinowski and many anthropologists take the view that religions are adapted because they produce the anxieties and uncertainties that afflict people. Um, that could be true to some extent, but I don't think it's really important. And as I noted earlier, uh, they can enhance anxiety, you know, am I going to heaven or hell according to uh, whether I'm following the uh, rules prescribed by my religion, so it can amplify anxieties. Uh, however, more recent approaches suggest that religion in large political organizations is for social control and coordination. And there's some really good research that uh, has come out 
uh, since the textbook has been published on moralistic and high guys. And uh, here, what I want to talk about, and this is mentioned in one of the highlights, is that in uh, many societies, uh, gods, uh, especially simple societies, gods often are not concerned about the moral behavior of individuals. That is, whether they're um, generous, uh, brave, um, helpful, etc., etc. But in more complex societies, uh, gods begin to um, focus on whether or not you're following the rules prescribed in your society or by your religion. So we call this kind of moralistic gods. Um, in, in, in simple societies, you have powerful gods. They're not moralistic. All they really care about is whether you pay them correct uh, homage and don't break taboos uh, that insult them. Uh, but if you kind of are, you know, uh, subservient to them, they're really not concerned with the uh, interaction you have with other people. And then also, when we get more complex societies, we have these high gods. That is, the gods that are essentially the creators, the most powerful. You know, we have the development of monotheistic uh, religions. And sometimes, uh, for example, in um, uh, Islam or, or Christianity, we have a god who uh, is both concerned with human morality and uh, is the uh, highest god uh, in hierarchy. And again, this kind of, you know, mirrors developments in um, complex uh, civilizations where we have a single ruler um, who could be a despot, he could be a prime minister, uh, but nevertheless, the, you know, he represents the greatest governmental power uh, in a social group, just as these high gods uh, represent the greatest power uh, in a, a religious set of supernatural. Uh, the history of religious includes periods of strong resistance uh, to change and periods of radical change. So we're looking at religious change. Uh, and one of the things that anthropologists have studied are revitalization movements. And revitalization movements happen all over the world. Anthropologists have um, uh, documented uh, these sorts of, um, of, of movements. And, you know, a good example is the ghost dance, uh, which was a pan-Native American a Native North American uh, kind of a religious uh, movement. And uh, the idea here was that the reason they were in such terrible plight, uh, being wiped out and pushed out uh, by Euro-Americans, was because they failed to adhere to the fundamental beliefs of their original religions. And so the idea was that if they could get back uh, to uh, following these fundamental uh, beliefs, then they believe that um, their plight would be uh, better. And, you know, this is the same thing that we see in uh, so-called Christian fundamentalist churches uh, or Islamic fundamentalism. Uh, the idea that um, you're in a bad state now, uh, salvation uh, is um, in jeopardy, uh, your economic situation isn't good, and the reason for this is that you strayed from uh, the fundamental teachings, and so these revitalization movements, you know, kind of go back to the common core uh, and um, then use that as the basis for imagining a better world. Um, religious change. Uh, conversion to uh, one of the world's religions is often associated with colonization and the expansion of the state. And there are some examples of Christianity on Ticopia, which is a um, uh, South Pacific island, and um, also a, a, a anthropological works that, that, that try to explain uh, this conversion. One thing that really makes um, certain kinds of religions, and again, the textbook doesn't emphasize this enough, uh, or call universalistic religions. Universalistic religions 
cross-cut cultural, ethnic, uh, racial boundaries, and they try to convert people. Uh, And so uh, this is, for example, again, Islam, uh, Christianity. Uh, Oftentimes its conversion is is forceful. But this contrasts with what we call, so so we have universalistic religions on one hand, and we have what we call ethnic religions on, on the other hand. Ethnic religions are powerfully associated with one's culture, and there's really no attempt to convert others, to bring others into the fold. For example, you don't have Jewish missionaries. Um, Judaism is an ethnic religion. You don't have Navajo missionaries because uh, the Navajo beliefs pertain to the Navajo people, and so there's this kind of big disjunction uh, between uh, the kinds of religions that we see in uh, simpler societies as opposed to the religions that we see in more complex societies where there's a great emphasis on uh, conversion. Uh, More, you know, again, and this probably slide should have been a little bit uh, earlier by two slots, um, the Seneca and the religion of the handsome uh, lake, cargo cults and fundamentalism, these are all different kinds of revitalistic uh, movements that are reviewed uh, in the text. So take a a look at that and, you know, uh, one of the key uh, sorts of things is that uh, people are facing tough times. Uh, they've strayed from the fundamental tenets of their religion. Getting back uh, to those fundamental tenets will help them improve their life chances. Uh, here are some important, you know, concepts and terms uh, that you should uh, be ready to answer because um, they'll be on the exam probably, at least a number of them. The difference between monotheism and polytheism. Uh, the difference between magic and sorcery. And again, uh, and, and witchcraft, but again, magic, you know, is a means of communication, uh, even manipulation of the supernatural. Supernatural agents, a whole host of them, ghosts, gods, demons, uh, ancestor spirits, uh, religious practitioners, again, moving uh, from very simple societies where we just have uh, shamans who are all kind of all-purpose um, religious practitioners. Uh, and then as it becomes more, uh, society become more complex, we get greater complexity in the number of practitioners with the division of labor, uh, mediums, diviners, um, et cetera, et cetera. Revitalization movements that we just kind of went through, uh, whether it has to do with ghost dance, Seneca-like, uh, fundamentalistic Christianity. Uh, and then the recent research, again, on moralistic and high gods, which is emphasized in the highlight, you know, religion and cooperation. Uh, and here the, uh, the idea is that religion is a means to maintain the solidarity and integrity of a population uh, because one of the things that occurs uh, under these kind of uh, gods that, that are moralistic is to make sure people do the proper thing like pay their taxes uh, and uh, volunteer for the uh, armed forces, cooperate uh, with one another during, during periods of, of disaster. Uh, and so... Uh, this is achieved through uh, religious means. Then finally, the distinction I just made between um, ethnic uh, versus universalistic uh, religions, uh, and that's an important one because these universalistic religions are essentially uh, taking over. Okay, so that's all for our chapter on uh, religion.